Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Greetings to you all on this fine autumn's evening. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in. Now I have a creepy little show to share with you this evening. So sit back, grab a handful of Halloween candy, and dim the lights. And allow Joe from California to kick this evening off. And real quick, this entry and my following banter contain minor mention of mass suicide. So listener discretion is advised. Now, please welcome Joe from the state of California. Hey, Derek. My name is Joe, and I'm calling from Riverside, California. But the story that I want to share with you guys took place in San Diego County in San Marcos, California. Now, this is one of these places where you're in high school, where everybody went there. Uh, everybody went there with girls and hung out, drank, had fun. So one night, this is back when I was in high school, this is back in 2004 when this took place. There's this place called Quest Haven. Now... It is known the whole history about this place is basically it was a mental institution that burned down a lot of the mentally ill people that escaped from there pretty much ran away, killed people that were living nearby the area. So and so not really sure how much of that is true. But the other thing that is kind of freaky about this place is you have a place called the Elfin Forest that we also walked around at night just trying to freak each other out. But it's a very creepy place, trees, you know, growing everywhere, going over uh, head on the road. We would turn off our lights, it was pitch black. It was one of those spooky places uh, you really heard about. So the whole thing about the story where I'm getting at is the whole deal was you drive down this narrow road until you get to the Quest Haven gates. Now, it is said once you get to Quest Haven's gates, you open up the door and you drive up and crazy things happen. Well, we made it all the way to the Haven gates, but no one wanted to get off and open the gate. So what happened, my buddy on the passenger side, he started freaking out. He was looking to the right side of him and he started freaking out. He jumped all the way to the back seat where I was at. And we're wondering what's wrong with him. He couldn't even speak. So one of the girls screamed and she saw something and it looked like something like electricity the best way i can describe it was like a light that was flickering but it was developing like like fog and it kind of developed into an image of a lady and it just stood there and when we saw that we all freaked out my buddy that was driving he was trying to start the car and he couldn't the truck wouldn't start <laughs> so we were all freaking out, wondering what was that, and it looked like a lady in white. And obviously, you hear the stories of a lady in white. I'm Mexican. You hear about La Llorona. So this, at this moment, we're just freaking out. We're at this place where it's known to be haunted. The truck won't start, and then we're looking at this apparition of a ghost of a lady. Well, eventually, the truck starts. He takes off. We're on a dirt road. Whatever that thing was vanish well later on that night uh, we were all like shocked we didn't know what, what was going on we didn't have smartphones back then so 
the next day we decided to look up to see what what was going on well turns out that crest havens was a spiritual land or spiritual ground or they had a spiritual building up there i don't know if you're familiar with heaven's gate religion group so back in the 90s from what i would say 1997 when this happened there was a cult that they believed that if they killed themselves they were going to go to the ufos or something with something has to do with the comet or something like that but it's been known that you know a lot of spiritual things happen around there uh you see the white witch which i believe is what we saw and all other kinds of weird things i'm sure you can look into it and find out more about heaven's gate uh but at that time i didn't know about heaven's gate all we knew is just a place where a lot of creepy things happen you hear about them but you know it's just one of those things you do in high school but yeah it's, it's in san marcos california quest haven i haven't been there in a very long time and again it was just one of those fun things but we did experience that and it was just one of the most shocking things to this day we just check with each other like hey you remember that night and everybody still remembers but uh Pretty cool story to share with you. Hopefully this works for you. Uh, But yeah. Thank you, Joe. Now let's start with a quick history lesson on the Heaven's Gate mass suicide, courtesy of the San Diego Union Tribune. They would be classified as a New Age UFO group, uh, and they believed in a, a higher level and that there was a transportation device on the other side of Hellbop Comet and uh, that they could um, rise to a level above human if they committed suicide and their spirits would be transported via this vehicle on the other side of Hale Bop um, to, a, to a different plane. And on March 26, 1997, in a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California, 39 members rolled the dice, including the cult's leader, whose name I will not mention here. Now, as sad and disturbing as that story is, it actually has nothing to do with Questhaven, although it did occur in very nearby Rancho Santa Fe. And the neighbors of that community quickly grew tired of all the attention the house received. So they bought it. They had it bulldozed to the ground and rebuilt a new house on the lot. Then they went as far as to change the street name. Now, I saw it for sale recently for the insanely low price of 650000 or something like that. Which is literally pennies on the dollar for a house its size and in its location. And that begs the question, would you live there? Anyhow, as for Questhaven, I found many a legend, many a story, but from what I can gather, it's just a functioning business. They actually tout themselves as a secluded nature preserve located in the coastal wilderness of San Diego County, providing a sacred setting for individuals and groups of all faiths to experience peace and renewal. Doesn't sound all that spooky when you put it that way. So they may be yet another victim of the rumor mill. Urban legends built up about a place They accumulate and they morph, and in this case, get attributed to the wrong location. And I suppose the stigma of once operating as an asylum did it no favors. So who's to say if it's haunted or not? It may well be, but 
I don't believe there's anything sinister going on there. No worshipping of the devil and no escapees murdering citizens. But, and there is always a but, but in the nearby Elfin Forest, there seems to be no shortage of terrifying encounters. That 784-acre reserve seems to hold all sorts of strange activity. The park offers 11 miles of hiking, mountain biking, and equestrian trails through some of San Diego County's most amazing natural forest. Evidence of humans inhabiting the area date back nearly 9,000 years to native tribes. There are thousands of stories and legends surrounding the area, and many have seen ghostly figures throughout the Elfin Forest. One legend tells that in the early 20th century, a band of gypsies was living in the forest. Several people from the surrounding towns decided to drive them off, killing any who refused or stood in their way. The gypsies are said to have cursed the forest, causing many souls to become trapped here. Several have seen strange things within the forest, animals that don't look quite right, trees that appear to bleed, and footprints that are far too large for any man. Strange sounds are heard, disembodied footsteps follow those who walk through the park alone, and phantom voices are heard in the wind. Several have seen the figure of a woman in a white gown who floats through the forest and follows hikers along the trails. Several have seen the ghostly image of bodies hanging from the trees, the figure of a witch riding a black horse, or the spirits of Native American children running and playing in the night. Now that info courtesy of the Speakeasy on YouTube. And I should mention that the Elfin Forest doesn't seem to be the safest place. A quick search online uncovered several shootings, disappearances, and even a body found in a burning car. And I also feel obligated to mention that although there was at least one quote-unquote gypsy living in that area, I could not find any confirmation of a band of them living there. Nor could I find any evidence of a war involving gypsies in that area. And it is worth noting that this isn't all that far outside the Borrego Triangle, which itself is no stranger to the Lady in White legends. So thank you again, Joe, for taking the time to share this story. This is a place I'd actually never heard of and had a fun time diving in. Well, folks, I forgot to mention this last week, so this week, I'm putting it front and center. I started a paranormal news program over at YouTube. It's called Paraweekly, and every other Friday, you can tune in to hear me break down the latest spooky news, share the latest video evidence, interviewing notable figures in the community, and, of course, sharing some exclusive clips from viewers like you. Hop on over to YouTube.com and search for Paraweekly. P-A-R-A-W-E-E-K-L-Y Trust me, I think you're going to enjoy it. Now next up, we head to the state of Mississippi, where Autumn is back, this time with a real-time encounter. Hi, this is Autumn from the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I'm standing outside right now because... I think I just saw a triangle UFO, and I wanted to call it in. Um, I walked outside. It's November 16th, and I walked outside to bring my dogs out. 
and I saw three dim lights that formed a triangle shape in the sky, but flat over the ground was the perspective, you know, like if it were sitting right on top of the house kind of thing. And in between the three dim triangle lights, there seemed to be like a semi-transparent fill, which made me think that it was one single object instead of three objects, three lights. And then as I walked closer, it picked up speed and zoomed off into the distance, into the sky, and the three triangles, of course, with the distance change, got smaller, and then it just completely vanished, like a stealth UFO. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'm pretty excited right now. I don't know what to do, and I thought, well, i got to call Monsters Among Us and tell the world. So, yes, Gulf Coast, Mississippi is where it was sighted. And it's pretty exciting. I'm not sure if it was ET or military technology. We do have Keesler Air Force Base here, Stennis, an international airport, local airports. And so there's a lot of flying craft in the area. And they're very easy to determine by plane, commercial plane, military plane, helicopter. It's easy to tell what these things are, even drones. But this (laughs) is completely unidentified. And I've heard stories of triangle craft seen before, and it was the first thing I could think of, you know, to make sense of it. It was amazing. So, anyway, I love the podcast. Thank you for listening to my recent experience here, and I hope you can use it. All right, bye. Thanks, Autumn. This is familiar territory familiar in that we've heard reports of this type of craft countless times before. Three points of light converging to create a larger triangle-shaped craft, oftentimes described as having a light in the center. Now these craft, it's claimed, seem to hover silently, coast without making a sound and zoom away, incredible distances and fractions of a second. And it's also familiar territory because one of the most infamous UFO sightings and subsequent alien abduction cases took place mere miles from where Autumn's encounter occurred. Something happened October of 73 that would go down in history. The spaceship came with many blue lights set down near them in the night. Little men came out and took him inside They looked him over with one big eye They say what they saw was the real They know they were the ones that saw the past a UFO That's right. The abduction of Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker, more famously known as the Pascagoula Incident. And in fact, in the wake of the abductions, both Hickson and Parker were taken to Keesler Air Force Base, the base Autumn mentioned in her call. So is this a coincidence, or are we looking at some sort of hot spot here? Check out Season 11, Episode 2 of this program to hear more on the story from the 1973 abduction. And a big thanks to Autumn for taking the time to share. But next time, Autumn, please... Take some video or 
at least a couple photos. Now, if you have an entry you would love to hear played on the show, simply give us a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And speaking of missed photo opportunities, Danny from New York. The floor is yours. Hi, Derek and fellow uh, Monsters Among Us universe. My name is Danny. I live in Brooklyn. This story actually takes place in California uh, about four years ago. A little backstory, just to put this into context. In 2014, my then-girlfriend, current wife's great-grandfather passed away in San Diego, California. We went down to see him um, in the hospital two or three times during that time. And on the last day that he was alive, my brother-in-law, took a video um, of just everyone there surrounding the bed and someone was playing a, a song on ukulele, just kind of like trying to bring up the spirits. And during the video, when we watched it later, there was this strange light that danced around the actual hospital room. And uh, normally I would have said, you know, it's uh, someone's belt buckle or something like that. But the thing was, there was no light coming in through the actual windows. Shades were drawn uh, all the way around. It was nighttime. All the lights were turned off because it was, you know, at this point, we just wanted to make him comfortable and just, yeah, it was was just dark in there. Uh, And the the only light that could have been created was from the cell phone, but you know, the camera light was not on. Like I'm, I'm just, I went down the list of things like, okay, what could it be? And it wasn't like it stayed in one place. Like it moved around and at one point it actually like bounced off of his chest and then disappeared after that. So like very strange. And when we left the hospital, my wife had mentioned that uh, he was a Freemason. You know, it's one of those things where like, it's hard to contextualize what exactly that means. There's this idea that they're pulling strings behind the scenes and and all that. So anyway, my wife's great-grandfather passes away. Fast forward two years, uh, I believe, two and a half, and we're at my wife's parents' house. And uh, at this point, my wife's great-grandfather's son is visiting. And he lives in Mexico, runs a fishing boat company, but just came to say hi. Very jovial guy. Like, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. i never seen him, like, in a bad mood or anything. And we start talking, all this stuff. And at one point, my wife's father, so my father-in-law, mentions to Greg, who is the, the son, hey, uh, you know, did, did you ever see your dad, like, partaking in these sort of Freemason stuff? Uh, did you ever take you to the, you know, the, the, the temple or anything like that? And Greg's face gets really like and not like a joke kind of like almost like pale paleness comes over his face and he says you know there there's stuff that i've seen that i i would never talk about and of course me being me i'm you know i'm calling into the show right so i'm fascinated i'm like greg like tell me like what what did you see and he is very adamant that he is not going to tell me anything he's not going to say anything and pretty much communicate so much that if he said anything about it, he actually feels superstitious that it would it would ruin something or hurt someone or something like that. So we, we just kind of drop it. Within 20 minutes, Greg's face goes completely pale again. 
and he starts violently vomiting, like violently, like projectile, I, like exorcist, but not not pea soup, but but like whatever was in his stomach, it's coming up, really crazy. So he you know he starts complaining about chest pain. They rush him to the hospital, and I forget exactly what it what the surgery was that he had to get performed on it, but he had to have emergency surgery on his stomach. It seemed like the the lining had had thinned out so much that there was like acid that was just building up and causing him extreme pain. Long story short to all this, I feel like it's either an insane coincidence that this happened or Greg was aware of something that no one in the room was aware of. And it, for lack of a better word, like came to get him for even mentioning anything. I know that it sounds crazy. I've thought about this, you know, occasionally throughout the years. I can't really come to an exact reason that this happened but anyway it's, it's always stuck with me and and even to this day of course because he didn't mention anything I, I wonder what it is he saw I wonder what it is that Freemasons get up to or certain chapters of them but but no doubt it's one of the strangest things I've ever been present to see not secondhand not I left the room and someone says they saw something or I you know, I think maybe something happened. Like, I literally saw this happen, and uh, it's wild. Anyway, love your perspective on that, and anyone else that calls in or listens to Monsters Among Us that has any information on, you know, Freemasons or anything similar. I uh, love what you're doing with the show always. Uh, haven't missed an episode yet, and uh, can't wait to see what, what continues to happen with this, great, with this great show. Take care. Bye. At first, I'd planned on giving Danny a hard time for not submitting the video that he spoke of in his submission. After all, the description sounded very compelling. Then I put myself in Danny's shoes. I'm sure this was an emotional event for the entire family. A moment they likely do not want shared with thousands upon thousands of paranormal fans. But if you're still listening, Danny, and you somehow have changed your mind or are possibly open to some sort of face blurring, please reach out to me. And thank you again for sharing the entry. And next up, we venture to the sun-baked state of Arizona, where Nico has a very weird tale waiting for us. Hey, Derek, it's Nico in Arizona again. I was just calling in to share a story that actually happened to a friend of mine. And this is a few weeks ago, well, a week ago, exactly now. Um, we were up at a, we were both counselors up at the summer camp up near Prescott. And the summer camp is in the, um, the Black Hills, just outside of Prescott. And um, this was, uh, I was not there during when this happened, so this is his account. Every year there's this group of kids that go up and do a sleeping under the stars night. And what happened to him was, he said he was uh, playing guitar, just kind of like waiting for the kids to all go to bed. Then he looked up over this one camper's um, hammock, and he saw this creature-looking thing. He described it as kind of like very skinny-like, very skinny arms, very skinny legs, just kind of crouching almost at a long, kind of slender head, kind of kind of further along. And he said that it just kind of looked at him for a while, and just kind of, just kind of watched him, just kind of listened. And 
and it was probably on a branch like 20 feet up off the ground, he said. He, he said he didn't feel like it was threatening at all. He said that it just kind of like, we just kind and kind of just like watched him for a little bit. And he was kind of taken aback a bit when he first saw this. And then um, later he just felt like, just like this like chill presence almost there around him, not menacing at all. He did draw me a picture of it uh, that, that he gave me permission to use, so I'll send that in to you, so see ya. Thanks, Nico. There we go. Third time's a charm. I actually have the drawing Nico mentioned up in the show notes if you want to go take a look. And for those that will never get around to looking at it, the drawing is a stick figure form, but clearly displays a large bird or possibly even a pterodactyl-like creature. The long crest on the back of the head gives me that impression. It also has prominent protrusions from the folds in the wings. Another detail that suggests an extinct flying or gliding dinosaur. And again, you can take a look by visiting tonight's show notes. And I suppose if you're going to have a strange sighting like this, Arizona is as good a place as any. It's prime Thunderbird territory. A mythical or perhaps undiscovered giant bird that calls the desert southwest home. And then there are the famous, nigh infamous, photos to come out of the Grand Canyon State. Featuring cowboys holding up deceased pterodactyls and pterodons. All of which, I will point out, seem fabricated to me. But I've linked to several of these photos in the show notes or the description for this episode. So go take a look and... Tell me what you think. No, it's great stuff, Nico. So thank you for the story. Thank you for the sketch. Now, how many of you have post-Halloween blues? Well, why not try a little retail therapy to boost your spook levels? And if you're already buying useless junk on the internet, maybe consider some of mine. So pick up a t-shirt, a hat, a bag, a tote, a patch, and much, much more. All featuring unique art commissioned by creatures. I mean, creators in the paranormal community. Artists like Brett Manning, Cryptid Sue, Liz Pavelchak, Jordan Hirschberger, and Eerie Eric, and much more. Just visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop and pick your goodies up today. Oh, and for those waiting for hoodies, they should be here any day now. So watch our social media accounts for updates, and just keep an eye on your mailbox. Okay, going through my list, what haven't we covered? We have a UFO, check. Strange creature, check. A cult, we got that. A haunted woods as well, check. One thing I'm not seeing here is a shadow entity. So, Dallin from Utah, why don't you see what you can do about that? Hi, Derek. This is Dallin from Utah, and I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day while I was at work, and I heard a story that reminded me of an experience that I had. Now, the story that I heard came from a Halloween episode that you did from some lady in Oregon, which is actually where my encounter took place, ironically enough. 
She called and said that her son had witnessed a creature peering from some sort of railing on their porch. And it just reminded me of an experience that I had when I lived in Oregon. Now, at the time, I was probably about six years old. And I can remember this like clear as day. When I was six, my family lived in a trailer because we were relatively poor at the time. I remember us going to bed one night and I'm a relatively heavy sleeper and I always have been. It's been really hard to wake me after I go to bed, but that night something caught my attention while I was sleeping. It was like some sort of presence had entered the room. It was enough to jar me awake. And when I woke, I stared at the end of our trailer and I witnessed some dark shadowy figure standing staring at me and it was it was rather tall probably around six foot and at first I thought it was just a trick of the light or my eyes were just playing tricks on me and so I had pulled the covers over my head and blinked a couple of times and I looked back and the entity that was standing there was gone and so me thinking nothing of it I blinked again and laid my head down only to realize that it wasn't in fact gone it moved from the end of our trailer to the ceiling of our trailer and it crawled its way from the far end over to above where my parents and I were sleeping at the time and I can remember its face so vividly and I've been nervous to tell the story because I thought that maybe if I told it it might happen to me again but its face it was very demonic in nature and I just like I couldn't help but feel terrible dread that this thing had come to harm me and I tried to speak out but I couldn't couldn't speak until I was able to tap on my father's arm and after I tapped on him this entity had disappeared and of course I tried to tell him what happened and he didn't believe me he went outside the trailer and checked around just to make sure that there was nothing I could have seen like a person or anything but this creature's face it it was terrifying and all I could really the main feature that stuck out to me was its mouth it wasn't snarling like I would picture something with such malicious intent to but it was rather grinning like it was pleased to be where it was that is my story um thank you for the podcast i've been listening to it for about five years now and i've loved every episode so thank you and have a good day thanks dallin like it was pleased to be where it was well that's certainly an unsettling comment. As if you weren't wondering why it was there in the first place. What were its intentions that made it so gleeful? And just to help some of you sleep this evening, it's impossible to know for sure, but I can't help but think that Dallin's experience might have been sleep paralysis inspired. Several of the classic clues are there. But then again, I've heard of countless shadow entity entries, 
so it's entirely possible there's something even more terrifying taking place. Thanks again, Dallin, for sharing. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Does it seem like there's a block between you and your happiness? Do you struggle daily, but are unsure where to turn? Well, BetterHelp can and will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a convenient, safe, online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours. With BetterHelp, you have the option to schedule weekly video or phone sessions or message your counselor pretty much any time. Now rest easy knowing anything you share is completely confidential. Now BetterHelp's counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, family conflicts, and a whole lot more. And the service is available worldwide, so it doesn't matter where you're listening from. And you know, this whole thing's at a more affordable price than the traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is also available if you need it. Now, I want you to start living a happier life. I want you to conquer those blocks. And as a Monsters Among Us listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Allow BetterHelp to offer you that lifeline. Join over 1 million people who have already taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash monsters among us now as always supporting our sponsors supports the show so thanks for listening well now for this next one we need to book a flight and grab our passports because we're headed to england where cam has an interesting encounter to share with us hi derek this is cam from the uk i live in a village just outside the city of Leicester which is in the centre of the country right in the middle of the UK uh, in England it has a lot of history it's the resting place of King Richard III Uh, he was slain at the Battle of Bosworth Field which is not far from here but anyway, I'll, uh, I'll get on with my story. That's a fascinating story, by the way, but I'll tell mine. Love the podcast. Been listening for a couple of weeks now, been binge listening. What an opportunity to tell my own. And this comes from about 10 years ago. In fact, it was just over 10 years ago. Uh, we have a dog. He's in his 14th year. He was a much younger dog then, obviously. But he's never liked uh, fireworks and bangs and thunderstorms, such like. Gets very stressed out. So on this particular bonfire night, as we call it, Guy Fawkes night, we uh, celebrate, if that's what you can call it, the the uh, the death of uh, Guy Fawkes, who tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament back in whatever year, hundreds of years ago. And the anniversary is always November the 5th. Well, we don't always have fireworks on November the 5th. Obviously, they happen for a number of nights either side of that, too many to be fair and of course people use them in a domestic way so you know you have bonfires and fireworks and bangs going on all around and of course the weekend which is the nearest to the fifth is always the busiest time so on this particular night I had to wait till gone midnight to be able to take the dog out because by that time 
pretty much people have observed the fact that you shouldn't be letting fireworks off and making fires at a certain time of night. So I duly went out, took the dog round the estate where I live, literally just a, a 15 minute walk. But on the way back, and it's always dark, obviously, because it's November. It's cold, dark, damp night, but it was a clear sky. I could see the flashes you know, further away from me over the city, which is about four or five miles to my east. I'm west of the city. And as I was walking the dog back, I noticed coming from the south, which appeared to be coming over the rooftops, these two orange lights, orange, amber, whichever. They were just solid amber lights, and it looked like two fighter planes flying in formation sort of diagonally from each other one slightly above the other and slightly ahead of the other now at the time there used to be a lot of sightings of things like chinese lanterns used to get released quite often to celebrate certain things well they definitely weren't lanterns and i think the reason i could tell this was because i've seen lanterns and they just drift and float around on the breeze uh, until they pretty much just disappear up into the the atmosphere well these two uh, seem to be maintaining a course which i would have described as northwest because uh, being in the center of the country we're right alongside the main highway as you call it uh, or freeway and our main motorway runs from south to northwest and it's called the m1 and it's literally just a quarter of a mile from where i live and you often see passenger planes fly in the same direction because they're always very high in the sky and they're probably going somewhere in North America. And you can always tell passenger planes anyway because they're very distinctive. They fly at a similar height. They have flashing lights. Uh, very rarely can you hear them, you know, because they're that high. But these two lights weren't that high at all, at least not what they appeared. You couldn't gauge the height or couldn't gauge the size of them. They were just two clear orange lights flying steadily towards me, but heading actually over the top of my house because by the time I'd studied them for about a minute I decided to try and beat them back to my house which was only probably 50-60 yards up the road so I managed to sprint back with the dog got in the house got my son who was 16 at the time to come out into the rear garden and I told him to just stand with me and watch because these things were going to appear over the top of the house and they did and literally as they got over the top of us, the one that was trailing literally just shot up into the stratosphere and disappeared into the darkness in the blink of an eye. The other one just carried on on its course and headed over the top and then into uh, the distance and then uh, until we could no longer see it. And that confirmed to me that they weren't lanterns. Uh, they made no noise and my son witnessed it with me, which was good because uh, it's, always, it's always good to have a witness. And yeah, that's, that's my account. Uh, I did go on a website at the time called UK UFO Sightings and I'd, I was pleased to find that there was many other accounts from around the same sort of time, you know, within a few years of mine, but many going back over the years and from all over the country and actually other parts of the world as well. I've since looked for that website, to be honest, and I, I've never been able to find it. Um, I, I did write my account on there and I've written other accounts on that uh, website of other things that I've seen in the night skies that you can't explain because yeah, as we call them UFOs that's exactly what it suggests it's an unidentified flying object 
And whenever I see these things, because I walk the dog most nights, if not every night, and with it being, you know, winter nights, dark skies, you see things in the sky very often that you can't really explain. If you take the time to look up and study things, they're there. And I'm a firm believer that the extraterrestrials are very much amongst us. You know, they live amongst us and they're flying in our skies. Just my opinion. But I'd love to hear other people's, including yours, Derek. And uh, like I say, really enjoy the podcast. I look forward to hearing this if you decide to use it and keep up the good work. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Cheers. And he's right, you know. The King Richard story is fascinating. And some of the elements are relatively recent. His body was rediscovered under a parking lot in 2013. But that's a story for another podcast. And I thought, given this episode was going to be released on the 4th of November, a day short of the 5th, that it was fitting to share here. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. Gunpowder, treason, and plot. Or so goes the 17th century rhyme. And like the color mentioned, the fact that this occurred on bonfire night is somewhat troubling. Because skeptics will say that he saw a firecracker or a rocket. But even I, a hopeful skeptic, could admit that what our color described does not sound like any aircraft I'm familiar with. And I don't know of any fireworks that behave that way either. And there's just something spooky about the idea of them just floating around up there, silently watching, disappearing to God knows where, in the blink of an eye. It's almost enough to make you feel tiny and insignificant. But thanks again, caller, for sharing the eerie entry. I think I have time to squeeze one more in before we bring in tonight's closer. So without further hesitation, please welcome Cody from the state of Georgia to the program. Hey, it's Cody from Georgia. I just wanted to call because it was about a week or two ago, mid to early January. I was at work and I work as an exterminator down in Atlanta. It was a clear day, cold, kind of cloudy, but for the most part, you know, it was it was a clear day. And I just can't explain what happened. So I was at one of my customers' houses doing my job and it sounded like there was like a jet or like a train or something just really loud noise and it was coming from like everywhere like I couldn't like figure out where it was coming from and my office that I'm based out of is right across the street from an airport so I'm used to you know seeing a bunch of helicopters and private jets and stuff like that taking off but you know I was looking around and I couldn't see anything and I also know that we're kind of close to the MARTA station but again you know I was looking around and stuff and I couldn't see a train anywhere and and what made it weird was it just, it didn't like, there's a jet, you know, you can, or like a train, you know, you'll, it'll slowly build up and get really loud. But this, it just started out of nowhere. And it lasted for a good, like, five minutes, probably more, because at first I was like, oh, it must just be like a jet or something. But eventually, it when it wouldn't stop, that's when I started actually, like, counting and seeing how long it was happening for. So it lasted for like five minutes and then stopped. 
not as abruptly as it started. It just all of a sudden stopped. So I was confused because again, like it, I couldn't see a plane or anything. And if it was a plane, it wouldn't just abruptly stop. And again, like I wasn't near the Marta station or anything or any of the tracks. So I was just really confused. So I get done with that house, leave and go to my next stop for the day. And it starts up again. And again, it just abruptly starts out of nowhere. I can't tell her. And it's just as loud at this house. So, you know, I wait again. And this time it doesn't last as long. This time it's more like maybe like three or four minutes, but not nearly as long as the first time. So again, I finish up this house and go to my next one. And I hear it again. This time it's a little more distant. I can't explain it. And so that's why I just wanted to call it in and see if anyone had an idea of what it was. Because I don't think it could have been a plane or a helicopter or anything like that. Because again, then my office I'm based out of is right across from an airport. So I'm used to hearing it. And it just abruptly started and then, you know, lasted for so long. I thought surely it couldn't be like a plane. Just if it was a plane and it's that loud, it must be close, like to the ground or landing or taking off or something. So I don't know. I didn't know what it was. So I just felt like I should call it in see if you know if you knew anything about it or if any of the listeners know about it it was just really weird so I just wanted to put it out there and maybe you can use it maybe not but I don't know so anyway I really enjoyed the podcast uh thanks thanks Cody now if I were to be thinking logically I can't help but wonder if there was some gas or water lines in the area that were being bled off which is to say, releasing immense amounts of pressure off the underground gas and water lines. Oftentimes, when this is done, a loud, thunderous roar could be heard. And sometimes, that loud roar could be quite loud and violent. But did those workers bleeding the lines follow Cody from house to house? Or was the pressure released loud enough for him to hear from both of those locations? Or could Cody have heard what thousands already have? The worldwide hum. A mysterious rumble or hum that people all over the planet are reporting. Despite their best efforts and the involvement of law enforcement and even scientists, we've yet to discover a cause. And I was even able to find a few examples from the Peach State that I tossed up in the show notes. So if you can, go take a look and maybe you can identify the strange sound. But yeah, Cody, you're not alone out there, buddy. Do a search for Worldwide Hum on your search engine of choice. Maybe something out there will sound familiar to you, Cody. Until then, thanks again for the entry. Now, before we explore tonight's final entry, just last week I sat down with two-thirds of the podcast Cryptonaut for Monsters Among Us Beyond's latest Rewind episode. Rob Morphy and Mark Storrs and I talked about giant snakes, alien greys, and even something called a Catman. So jump on over to patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. $4 gets you access to that episode and some 51 more. And it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. A huge thanks to the boys for stopping by. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for tonight's final entry. 
and per usual I saved a doozy for last. Now this entry was submitted by Lauren in the state of New York. Hi, this is Lauren. I'm from upstate New York. This is a story that my father-in-law told us and it is very creepy and I can't figure it out. So they were raccoon hunting at night and they were on their way back to their car. It's kind of a long stretch. It's a one-way road, seasonal road. They were on their way back to their car and they heard footsteps following them. It got closer and closer. They turned around and they saw a tall figure. Um, He described it as being hairy and had a red flannel on. He told the person that if he came any closer, he was going to have to shoot him. He told me he had a, a loaded gun and to stay back. The person creature thing didn't stop. So he fired shots up into the sky, which the creature still came forward. He shot at the creature, got in their car, and they took off. When he got home, my husband remembers this as a child. When they got home, my father-in-law called the troopers and told them the location of where he had shot, he thought, was a man or a creature. Couldn't describe it. He said it was like seven feet tall. It was huge. He he has no idea. Um, He locked all the doors and windows that night, and nothing ever came from the trooper story. He never heard anything back. It was just creepy and unexplained, and uh, every time I hear that story, I get goosebumps. I've heard of the Red Flannel Man a few times, and uh, when I heard your podcast, uh, a caller called on a Red Flannel Man, I immediately thought of that and said, whoa, that's a coincidence. Anyway, I love your podcast. We listen to it when we go camping around the campfire, so it's amazing. Um, Keep up the good work. I hope you can use my story, and hopefully someone has some similar sightings. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Now, this entry has been quite the adventure for me. I've been thinking about this call and researching the details for days now, with no developments. I even reached out to trusted colleagues, and like me, Shannon Legro of Into the Fray had heard of a Sasquatch-type creature being witnessed wearing clothing, but neither of us could source the info. So I reached out to another human Bigfoot book, Bigfoot Collectors Club and Expedition Bigfoot star, Bryce Johnson, in hopes that he had some insight we could use. While he had not heard of any specific encounters with the creature featuring a human wardrobe, he had researched legends of the creature wearing buckskin and pelts. And with that mention, Mr. Johnson led me down quite the rabbit hole. So let's begin there. I was actually able to find a few mentions of this pelt-wearing Bigfoot. One specific mention detailed one of the creatures using a raccoon pelt to cover its groin area. And that led me to Obscurian Legends Wiki, which describes the activity this way. The term flannel shirt Sasquatch denotes a rare subcategory of the North American Hamid sighting in which the mysterious creature appeared to be wearing human clothes most consistently a ragged flannel shirt or otherwise animal skins. In the 1960s and 70s, reports from the American West would occasionally surface of the hairy bipedal Bigfoot being seen with tattered plaid shirts and ragged shorts on their bodies. In some research, there were intriguing attempts to relate these files of paranormal encounters with sightings of upright entities 
said to be wearing checkered shirts. Now, as if that wasn't interesting enough, they also included a first-hand account that went as follows. One of the most fascinating of all such encounters occurred in California at the turn of the 50s. The story came from a woman who, at the time of the incident, was a young girl. Her story was told by cryptozoologist and Bigfoot authority, Ivan T. Sanderson, and she claimed, I entered the meadow and proceeded to cross it in order to reach a small knoll on the other side. When I approached the foot of the knoll, I heard a sound. It was the sound of someone walking, and I thought perhaps my little brother had followed me and was going to jump out and try to scare me. I hollered, All right, stinker, I know you're there. Needless to say, it was not my brother that appeared. Instead, it was a creature that I will never forget as long as I live. He stepped out of the bushes, and I froze like a statue. He, or it, was about seven and a half or eight feet tall. However, there was one thing that I have not mentioned. The strangest and most frightening thing of all. He had on clothes. Yes, that's right. They were tattered and torn and barely covered him, but they were still there. He made a horrible growling sound that I don't think could be imitated by any living being. And believe me, I turned and ran as fast as I could. I reached camp winded and stayed scared all while we were there. Now honestly, this entire concept is terrifying. Because best case scenario, a few of these creatures found some clothing and put it on. That's kind of disturbing. But the imaginative part of my brain thinks it might be something a little more akin to creatures removing clothing from a human body it found or possibly harvested. And in doing so, seeing how the two bodies are relatively the same shape, it eventually led the creature to put the garment on. Mimicry coming back again. Now, of course, this raises all sorts of questions. Why would the creature keep it on? How often does something like this happen? Is it possible that it's the same Sasquatch and same shirt seen all throughout the country? And probably the one that is on all of your minds. How would a flannel from a human fit on a creature that size? Well, I actually stumbled upon a wild story that just might shed some light on these strange experiences. The following story comes courtesy of Dixie Cryptid over at YouTube. I'd had a tough day at work. Things didn't seem right. I felt uncomfortable, so I left, and it was late. I knew about the cutoff. It was like somebody put it in my head to take the road. I don't know why I took it that night, but I did. I got up on the same place on the winding curve you did. My blood began to run cold. I knew I was in trouble, so I sped up, and that was a bad mistake. This thing steps out in front of me, and I hit it. The impact was tremendous. I thought I must have killed the thing. It tore the front end of my car up and bounced off my windshield. I slowed down. That was another real bad mistake. The next thing I know, it's on my hood looking at me through the windshield, and it's madder than hell. The creature appeared to be part man and part ape. 
I sped up again trying to knock it off. It jumped on the top of my car and beat it so hard that it caved in the top. I started down the hill driving like a bat out of hell and I swerved back and forth trying to knock it off. I knocked it off and then my car begins to slow down and it lost power. It jumped back up on the front end and it was looking at me through the windshield again. Now I know I'm dead. I've never been more terrified in my life. All of a sudden, it morphed into a man. I think I'm losing my mind, and then it morphed back into the creature. The last time I looked at it, it was the creature. Then it falls off the car, and in my rearview mirror, I see it limp back into the woods. I can hear it thinking. It wants me dead. I know it can hear my thoughts, and that unnerved the hell out of me. I'm still trying to process what happened. Now, there's a few good stories over on that video, so go check it out if you like the Sasquatch subject. So, does that explain it? Is Sasquatch a shapeshifter? Is the shirt a Wolfman-esque holdover from the transformation from its human form? Or is this some other sort of creature, mistakenly taken for the legendary Sasquatch? A dogman, perhaps. Maybe a skinwalker. And of course, that story doesn't mention a flannel shirt at all. But with the morphine back and forth, it only seems like a logical progression to the story. Though perhaps one straight out of Hollywood. But before you go thinking, it's all just make-believe. The mention of the flannel shirt does ring another bell. All the way back on Season 8, Episode 19, I first started discussing an entity known as the Flannel Man. A plaid-clad lad seen in obscure places from the bedroom to the wilderness. Now many people are unsure if this is simply an apparition or something more tangible. But having heard Lauren's story and all the other encounters, it becomes awfully difficult not to allow the mind to wander. And I'll leave you with this final note. Though at first mention, New York State might not seem like a Bigfoot hotspot. But for the past 50 plus years, upstate New York has been exactly that. Thanks again, Lauren, for taking the time to share that entry. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. Keep the party rolling by joining us on social media. We have accounts at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There's all sorts of fun stuff happening over there. So if you use any of those platforms, be cool and give us a follow. And while you're at it, give us a nice rate and review over at Apple iTunes. You have no idea how far a five-star review could take this show. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And of course, lastly but not leastly, the terrifying score you heard in this podcast was provided by Co.ag Music and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week.
Welcome to the secret portion of the program. If you're just finding it, you've been missing out on some wild content for, well, years now. And tonight is no different. This next entry is downright terrifying. So please welcome Kelly from New York to the program. Hi, my name is Kelly and I'm from Long Island, New York, which is relevant to the story I'm going to tell you. My life has always kind of had these moments where it's like you kind of think like, I really wish that this isn't happening to me right now. And that kind of opened my door to this kind of world. But about six or seven years ago, I had a story that I think is comical, but it also kind of sticks with me. I was seeing this guy who lived on the North Shore of Long Island. He lived in Oyster Bay. And, you know, we were watching TV one night and it was time for me to go home. So he, you know, kindly walks me out. And we're on the front porch and he's just talking and my car is to the left of me and I just kind of unlock it and I, I look over and I see a man standing there about maybe 10 to 15 feet away from my car. And now I'm stuck in this scenario of, you know, I really wish this isn't happening to me type of moment because I'm looking and I can see this man and he looks like a soldier and He's just staring at me, and I had this feeling that he was aware of me. And I was nervous because the driver's side of the car, I would have to get closer to him to get into my car to pull away. And this entire time I'm thinking about this, and I keep unlocking my car, and I'm like, I don't see a reflection. I've been to the house in daylight, and there's no you know, statues or anything like that that this could be. And he's just observing me. And I keep unlocking my car and I'm looking and I'm looking back at, you know, this guy and I'm, you know, why isn't he picking up like that there's a dude standing there or that I'm clearly looking at something. And I thought to myself, all right, well, you have two options. One, you can ask him, you know, do you see that? But you run the risk, you know, what if he doesn't and you're going to seem crazy. Option number two is, why is he still talking? Just quickly be like, I'm so sorry, I got to go. Get in the car and get out of there. Either way, you might look crazy, but at least this option gets you out. I went with the ladder and I interrupted him. I said, I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I got to go home. And he looks at me like he has no idea what just happened. I can't even recall to what he was even saying. I speed walk towards this figure praying that it is not going to come at me because especially if it is you know military it's going to think that I'm coming for it so in my mind I'm just like just get in the car just get in the car I get in my car and I floor it down his driveway and it was a circular driveway so as I'm passing I look in my rearview mirror and I see him standing on the porch just dumbfounded and I still see this soldier which is now walking a little bit out of like where it was standing and the next day I go to my friend's house and I write down what I saw in an envelope and I close it up and I tell her, we need to look into this, but I'm going to give you this so you know I'm not making it up. And I described the uniform and everything and gave it to her. And that's when I learned about the history of the Revolutionary War in my own backyard. And I had no idea the history that it had because I'm actually in the middle of Long Island, so I'm not really from Oyster Bay. and. I was just, you know, naive, I guess. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know exactly where I was living, to be honest with you. 
I had no idea the rich history about the Revolutionary War and the soldiers and the battles that went on here. And this guy texts me later and he, you know, says like, you know, what happened? And I apologized. I said, I'm so sorry, I was rude, but you're never going to believe what happened to me. And he said, you saw him, didn't you? And I was just like, whoa. And apparently the soldier isn't even resident to his house. His neighbors have seen this soldier. His parents have seen this soldier. And he doesn't want necessarily a house, but the area, as if he's kind of doing his duties after death. They've always seen him out on the property, not necessarily in homes, but this is known on their entire block about this soldier. And they respect him because if he's willing to stay, they feel they need to honor him. And I just thought, wow. You know, this is something that I, the respect that they give him, something that I had no idea about the history here. And apparently he has presented himself to everybody in the, in the community, at least on that block, was just fascinating. So I thought you would enjoy that story. Like I said, I always have those things happen to me where it's like, I wish it wasn't happening to me. But thank you for doing what you do, the way you approach everyone's stories. You create a positive platform and you address things in a very logical matter it's just awesome and i can't thank you enough thank you kelly you gotta love the validation it's one thing to see an apparition yourself but it's another to be one of many to have seen it and the story kelly told is very reminiscent of something i remember from my childhood anytime i hear about a revolutionary war haunting one thing instantly comes to mind Season 1, Episode 7 of the hit TV series, Unsolved Mysteries. And in that episode, they discussed the General Wayne Inn in Philadelphia. The General Wayne Inn opened in 1704 and is reputed to be the oldest continuously functioning inn in America. Ben Franklin visited the inn, and George Washington slept in what is today this dining room. Edgar Allan Poe wrote part of his famous poem, The Raven here in 1836. But it is a history of hauntings that brings us to the General Wayne Inn. Barton Johnson is the innkeeper and serves as vice president of the local historical society. We have had towels thrown all over the kitchen. We have had adding machine problems. We've had television problems directly attributable to something that's not understandable. We have had reports of sightings of entities, ghosts. And it goes on to mention that one of those apparitions is actually a soldier in a green uniform. A uniform that was later identified to be that of a Hessian mercenary. Many of which were stationed in the area during the war. And as spooky as that is, there's one part of that Unsolved Mysteries segment that really stuck with me. One part that I can still picture anytime I'm reminded. And that's the detail about the entity messing with the bar's television. At the General Wayne Inn, the ghosts check in, but they don't check out. One night, during a local newscast Halloween story on the inn, a number of regular patrons gathered in the bar to watch. As soon as he showed the first scene of the inside of this building the whole no flop over now no snow perfect picture the whole picture started to go very very slowly 
clockwise all the way around. And all the 50 people in the bar were looking at this and wondering what was going on. And their all heads are all turning. And the whole thing just kept going around until our portion was over. But it never did that before, and it never did it afterwards, and no one else in the whole neighborhood had it that way. Yeah, I don't know. Something about that has really stuck with me. It's at least been 30 years. And sadly, the inn went out of business back in 98. And even more sadly, the building was demolished in March of 2014. Thanks again, Kelly, for the reminder and for submitting the great little story. And of course, thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have yourself a good night.